We're so thankful for what the Lord is doing, and it is our great honor to have with us a very special guest, Bishop Stan Gleason from Life Church, Kansas City, Missouri, Assistant General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International. He has been a blessing to the body of Christ the world over. I remember uh, hearing him preach in 1999, the Youth Day of the General Conference, as we were getting ready to transition from one century to the next, he preached a message entitled, An Old Mantle for a New Millennium. An Old Mantle for a New Millennium. And it was a word from the Lord. It helped us to be ready for what was about to come. And I want you to know that we're still, we've still got a hold of that old mantle in this new millennium. And we're seeing those precious miracles that God gave to our fathers multiplied in our generation. We're so thankful for Bishop Gleason. He is a foremost authority on the subjects of discipleship, the fivefold ministry. He has done so much to help us understand those beautiful principles to an even greater degree, helping usher us into uh, the kingdom of God as as we go forward to do all that God has called us to do. He's a great leader in our fellowship and in the body of Christ, and we want him to come right now and to preach the word of the Lord to the one service in 2022. Can we give Bishop Gleason a great big hand? Let's give that hand of praise to the Lord because there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Welcome to the best party in Cincinnati. It's happening right here. And the kingdom of God is a celebration, isn't it? Isn't it a celebration? What are we celebrating? We're celebrating deliverance. We're celebrating that we're free. We're celebrating that chains are broken. We're celebrating that we're united. We're celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what a incredible honor to be a part of this noteworthy gathering and you and your leaders are to be commended for pushing back and uniting what the enemy tried to divide and uh, the Bible says that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy but Jesus said I've come that you might have a life and that you might have it more abundantly and I feel that abundant life in this house today and i'll tell you what i love about this service amen we're one in doctrine we're one in faith but i'm going to tell you something i see that we are one under the canopy of heaven and this house looks a whole lot maybe what like heaven is going to look like when we get there from every nation every kindred every tribe every tongue this is a beautiful sight and god is pleased So thank you for the kind invitation, Brother Urshan, Brother Ellis, and these two pastors uh, have the highest respect and esteem in my life. They are leading uh, world-changing, world-affecting congregations, and you're blessed to have them or whoever your pastor is leading you, and I give them great honor tonight. 
So without any further delay, I want to go to the scripture, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And they continued steadfastly. Everybody say continued. They continued steadfastly in four things. The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And then fear came on every soul. That means an awe. There was an awe and respect. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believe were together. Somebody say they were together. They had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them as everyone had need. And this offering tonight for these missionaries sort of speaks to the heart of the apostolic church, sharing what God has blessed us with through with others in need. Verse 46, so continuing daily, there's the word again, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So we know they were Pentecostal. Praising God and having favor with all the people. That means in the community. And the Lord added to the church daily. Those who were being saved. The reason that God could add to the church daily. Is because the church was a daily church. They weren't an annual church or a seasonal church, but they were a daily church. By the help of the Lord, my contribution to this service tonight, I would like to entitle The Apostolic Continuum. The Apostolic Continuum. Just turn to somebody and say that and act like you know what it means. The Apostolic. Amen. And everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time. Maybe seated. Most of you got your amen out of the way. I could use one or two more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. There's a very powerful, faith filled, explosive atmosphere. In this house tonight, if somebody just lit a match, it would be over. We are in an apostolic continuum. And as oneness apostolic Pentecostals, we are oneness in theology. We are apostolic in doctrine and we are Pentecostal in experience amen let's thank God that we're oneness apostolic Pentecostals yes we are when I say apostolic I'm really drilling down on the book of Acts we find the Beginnings, if you will, of our apostolic heritage and our foundation 
in the book of Acts. And I want to say that the book of Acts is still our blueprint. And I'll take it one step further. The book of Acts is still the high watermark of the church. If it's in the book of Acts, it happened just like it said it happened. If it's in the book of Acts, we believe it. If it's in the book of Acts, if we don't have it, we can have it. And if we don't have it, we better have it. We need it. And we want it. And we can have it. Recently, I've heard two preachers say something like this. We are blowing the book of Acts away. I actually heard them say that. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, what translation are they reading? We're blowing the book of Acts away? Now, I I understand what they're trying to communicate. They're, They're saying that every miracle in the book of Acts we have seen in the 21st century. And some of you have seen blind eyes open, lame legs walk, deaf ears unstopped. Some of you have seen the equivalent of leprosy cleansed, and some of you have seen the dead raised. Some of you have seen 3,000 filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in one setting, and some of you have seen 5,000, and if we haven't seen it, at least we know credible people who were there who saw it, and if they say they saw it, then I believe it because God can do it. And you know what's better than God can do it? God wants to do it. He wants to do it. But when I read the book of Acts, there are some phrases that are spoken about our forebears, our apostolic oneness, Pentecostal founders, that it was said of them Listen to this now, not in an organizational context, but in a local church context. I just felt something come on me right now. I'm telling you, if you will be faithful to the oneness, apostolic, Pentecostal theology, doctrine, and experience, You are on a collision course with the greatest revival the world has ever seen. The best days of the church are not written in the history books. And I am going to tell you that everything that happened in the book of Acts is going to happen. It is going to take place. It is our prophetic destiny. We are on a path for it to happen if we will just continue in the apostolic Continuum. Look at Acts 5.28. Acts 5.28. You have filled all Jerusalem with your doctrine. Can you say that about your city? 
I'll preach to myself. I can't say that about Kansas City, Missouri yet. Yet. Two and a half million in the metro. Hallelujah. We haven't filled all of our city with our doctrine yet. So I don't think we're blowing the book of Acts away. But it's our prophetic destiny. If God did it for our forebears, he will do it for us. Before Jesus comes back, come on. We are going to fill our city with our doctrine. And this is the beginning of it right here. Let me go on. Acts 8, 4. And they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And I got a great media team. Thank you for staying with me. Everybody said they were scattered. They went everywhere preaching. What? Who's preaching? Who's preaching? The apostles? If that's what you believe, that's a problem. And we will never fill our city with our doctrine if only the apostles are preaching. Maybe it's time for us to redefine what it means to preach. Now I'm going to tell you something. If this is the only place where somebody can preach in your city, then we're never going to fill our city with our doctrine. We've got, we got 11,000 preachers licensed in UPCI. We can't even get all those guys and ladies to preach because they think they got to have one of those before they can preach. I wish, you know, we got 5,000 churches in North America and 5,000 pulpits. But I'm going to tell you that we will never reach our city if all the preaching happens behind one thing called a pulpit. And it's never going to happen if only the preachers are preaching. It's time for the saints of God to arm yourself with the word and your testimony and the blood of the lamb and take this gospel into your city, take it into your neighborhood, take it into your Starbucks, take it into your high school, take it into your junior high. They filled the city with their doctrine because they went scattered abroad everywhere preaching. Turn to somebody and say, it's time for you to start preaching. <laughs> Paul said, preach the gospel. It's the same root word. Both words are the same root word. Preach the gospel. What he's saying is, when you are sharing your story, your conversion, your testimony, and you bring the gospel message into your story, you can call it testifying, you can call it, amen, telling your story, but I'm telling you what the book calls it. The book says, honey, you are preaching. God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Come on, the church is a mobile church. God deliver us from church theology. Where we think that everything spiritual, godly, and holy has to happen at this address. We will never fill our city with our doctrine. We will never reach the world. 
Because the direction of the gospel is not all you sinners come to church. But the direction of the gospel is all you saved, sanctified, justified saints of God. You take the gospel to the world. This is not the only place. I thank God for that miracle that happened with that sweet couple. But this is not the only place where miracles can happen. Oh, I wish you believed that. God deliver us from church theology that says everything godly, everything spiritual has to happen at an address where I worship. On the count of three, I want you to tell me the address of the church you go to. Ready? One, two, three. My address is 10400 View High Drive, Kansas City, Missouri, 64134. I had to think about it. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something. As beautiful as our 83-acre campus is and that magnificent 50,000-square-foot worship facility and training center, I'm going to tell you what I'm, I'm more thankful for than that. A few hundred folks gather there every Sunday, but when they drive off that campus, there's a sign right there that says, Go make disciples, and Jesus signed it. And I'm telling you, this gospel will travel. This gospel will work. Miracles will happen in the streets. I got book. Miracles will happen in, re in nursing home. Miracles will happen, amen, in hospitals. Miracles will happen, amen, at kitchen tables. Miracles will happen. Did Jesus say, these signs shall follow the apostles? He said, these signs shall follow the believers. Are there any believers in the house? Come on. It's time for you to start having miracles. It's time for you to start laying hands on the sick. Don't call your pastor. Don't take him to the church. You bring the church. Come on, I am the church. Man, I am so far off script right now, it's scary. I am the church. I don't go to church, I am the church. Yeah. Let me just sit right here. When we were singing Break Every Chain, I don't know why I didn't do it. I should have come over here, I wanted to. I wanted to lock hands with these guys. Come on, stand up with me. We're breaking chains because we are the church. <laughs> We're showing the world how to get along. We're showing the world. Yeah. What are we doing? We're healing the nations. We're healing the body of Christ. Amen. We're one name, one blood, one cross. It's getting wild in here. And it's your fault. I am the church. We had a Hindu gentleman show up at the Life Church. Had a red dot in his forehead. And I introduced myself to him. He didn't know beans about oneness apostolic Pentecostalism. 
He married a girl when she was backslidden. She had never been a part of our church, but she started bringing him to church. He's a businessman. and So I introduced myself, and I said, can I take you to lunch? And I bought lunch because I can't stand cheap preachers. Preachers have got T-Rex arms. When the bill comes out. He said, Pastor, would you like to see my house? I said, sure, I would love to see your house. I didn't have time. Of course I want to see his house. So we go to his house. We're pulling the driveway. He goes, two houses down live Billy Butler, Billy Butler, member of Kansas City Royal. Not a bad neighborhood. We go in the house. He shows me all around. It's magnificent. It's beautiful. I got my hand in the front door. I'm ready to leave. He's coming down the stairs. He stops at the last stair. And suddenly he goes, He said, Pastor, if you pray for my business, I pay off the whole church. Then I went. I got saved, sanctified, justified, petrified men in our church haven't given a lousy dollar to pay off the church. And here's a Hindu, and he's testifying, if you pray, God will bless my business. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The church came to his house. That didn't happen at an address. That happened at his address. Because I am the church. What happens in church? A worship service. I am a worshiper. What happens in church? A sermon. I am a sermon. What happens in church? A prayer. I'm a prayer meeting. What happens in church? Conviction. I've got conviction. I've got holiness. Come on, clap your hands if you're the church. We don't go to church. They went everywhere preaching the word. Acts 8, 8. Uh, some of our churches could really use this one. And there was great joy in that city. The Holy Ghost hadn't even fallen yet. Philip is a table waiter. He doesn't even have a license to preach. He's been serving tables. He's been serving crabby old widows. I'm just having fun. Come on. The Grecians and the, the Hebrews were fussing. They thought there was preferential treatment. What was going on? Racism had raised its ugly head in the church. And the church is the only entity in this world that has the answer. And the apostles said, it doesn't make sense that we leave the word of God and serve tables. Look out among seven men of honest report, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, that we may appoint over this business. Let me tell you something. When the Bible says full of, it means controlled by. When you're full of faith, you're controlled by your faith. 
Not by circumstances, not by the elements. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're not controlled by your spirit. You're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Huh? Come on. These men were not preachers. They weren't apostles or prophets or evangelists yet. But the, the apostle laid their hands on them and ordained them. And I'm telling you, when the fivefold ministry lays their hands on you and ordains you into ministry, I don't care if it's bus ministry. I don't care if you're serving crabby old ladies. I don't care if you're folding bulletins on Sunday morning. If the apostles have anointed you, you're not going to be doing that for the rest of your life. You've got a destiny and there's an anointing on you. And Philip starts a preaching point in Samaria. Jesus set it up in John chapter 4. <laughs> Think about that. Jesus set up Philip. And Philip is working miracles and casting out devils and baptizing in the name of Jesus. And there was great joy. Everybody smile. I almost got one lady to smile right there. I'm working on her. I got more jokes to come. I'm going to tell you what. Some of us could use a good baptism in smiling. Because some of you look scary until you smile. When you smile, it's Jesus. When you smile, it's joy. Amen. Our churches would grow by 10% in the next six months if we just have a smile revival. Look at Acts 13, 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came out to hear Paul preach the word of God. How many would like for that to be reproduced in your city? Huh? Are we blowing the book of Acts away yet? I don't think so. Is there great joy in all of our city? Well, if the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl, there would have been great joy. But they did beat my Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC championship game. Just let it burn in me one more time. Thank you. It's another year this year. Huh? Great joy in that city. The whole city comes to hear. What, how does that happen, Brother Urshan, Brother Els? Well, how... How does that take place? I'll tell you how it happened for them. Miracles. All you need is the mayor's wife to be healed of stage four cancer when you laid hands on her and prayed for you. All you need is the captain of the fire department in Cincinnati for his grandbaby, amen, to come up out of the hospital when there was no hope of life. Come on, we've got that power. We've got that power. We just got to take the church out of the building. We got to get the church out of the address. Come on, we are a mobile. We are a mobile, hostile against the devil. We are an agile church. We're not quite blowing the book of Acts away yet. Acts 17, 6. These who have turned the world upside down have come here to. How are we doing? 
Some of us can't even turn a chair upside down on a good Sunday night service. How are we going to turn the world? Within Acts 19.10, within two years, all Asia. That would be like a county. That would be like your county. Two years, all Asia heard the word. How did that happen? Paul's teaching in the school of Tyrannus. And the scripture says earlier in that chapter that for three months he was teaching in the synagogue, but Paul was being resisted by stubborn Judaizers. And Paul did not want his young, impressionable disciples impacted by their legalism. And so he withdrew them from the synagogue and he befriends a gentleman by the name of Tyrannus who perhaps had his own private synagogue, or perhaps it was some kind of a medical place. There's some feeling that maybe Luke and Tyrannus were somehow connected in the medical field. But anyway, he provided sanctuary for Paul. And so perhaps for three months at a time, just like Purpose Institute, amen, they're gathering young believers, they're gathering students, and Paul is speaking into them and he's teaching them doctrine and he's imparting into them but they're not going to be destined to be students for the rest of their life now Paul after three months he says "All right, it's time to go out and try it it's time to go out and do it it's time to go out and lay hand on the sick it's time to go out and preach the word and within two years all of Asia heard the word I'm telling you this is a training center this is a place where we hear the word and We can't do well if we don't take what we've learned and share it with somebody. You say, well, I don't know if I'm qualified to do that. I don't know how to explain that scapegoat and that fit man and that order of Melchizedek. And listen, I got a master's degree. I don't know nothing about the order of the Melchizedek priesthood. But I make disciples and I teach Bible studies at kitchen tables and people get the Holy Ghost in their houses. One more, Acts 6, 7. When Paul, when Paul appointed the, the apostle, laid hands on seven men, the deacons. Look at the results. Let me just throw this in. What were the apostles doing? The apostles decided, we are not going to bottleneck the leadership and the control of the church. We're not going to do everything. We've got good, spirit-filled, faith-filled men that are qualified, and we're not going to be micromanagers, we're going to do what only we can do, and we're going to release the others to do the work of the ministry. And this was a watershed moment for the apostolic church. And God, give us leadership that will believe in the saints. God, give us leadership that will train and teach and build relationships and then believe in them and release them to do the work of the ministry. My job as a pastor is not to get how many followers I can get, but I want to raise up leaders that can impact the community and share my vision with the world. And the, the Bible said, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. That's maybe the only time that ever happened in the apostolic church. That was a Bible joke there. I'm sure it's happened more than that. 
I hope it has. I've never been there when it happened, but I'm sure that it's. Now look at chapter 6, verse 7, Acts 6, 7. You've got to see this. The word of God increased. Stop. There's eight times in the book of Acts. The Bible says something like that phrase. The word of God increased. Say that with me. The word of God increased. How did that happen? Did they go down to the Bible bookstore and get big family Bibles? Oh, the word's increasing around here. I got 28 Bibles in my office. I counted them just the other day. You can have a million Bibles and the word will never increase. It doesn't increase until you speak it. It doesn't increase until you share it. Amen. That's why the number of disciples multiplied. We still haven't even seen that. We're still in addition. But the book of Acts is a church that went from addition. In Acts 2, the Lord added to the church. And then by the time we get to Acts 5, disciples are multiplied. How is that happening? Because they're not going to an address where everything spiritual has to happen there. But they're in the streets. They're in the marketplace. They're in kitchen tables. And they're teaching the word. That's how the word multiplies. The world doesn't multiply until you speak it. Oh, clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. And you know what's interesting? The church was not offering these descriptors about themselves. They weren't saying, well, my God. We're turning the world upside down. We're filling all Jerusalem with our doctrine. No, no, no. You know who's saying it? They're enemies. They're detractors. Now, we can have the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, break bread, and prayer. But there's one thing we cannot reproduce from that first century, and that is their context. But when COVID hit, we started feeling a little bit of their context because COVID is spiritual. Don't ever forget it. It's not even, there's not even a pathogen in COVID. It's spiritual and I'm not going to get off on it, but I've had it twice and I've never dealt with hopelessness in my life until the first time I had it and a wave of hopelessness came over me and I've never encountered that spirit before so that made me know that it was spiritual but all of those things that were said the word increased they went everywhere all this stuff that's going it's because there was a push coming to the church come on everybody say a push Now, they fasted and they prayed, and we'd like to think that all of our fasting and prayer is going to reach the world. But I'm going to tell you right now, they didn't reach the world until the world pushed on them. And we need the world more than we realize we need the world to reach the world. If you ever study Jesus' priestly prayer in John 17, 40 times he talks about us. And 20 times he talks about the world. And there's this tension between the believers and the world. 
And we like to think all of our slick fasting and praying is going to reach the world. But it will not happen until the world punches the church in the mouth. That's not fun to preach that. We're not going to shout about that. But in the first century, they were lining up to die. They were lining up to lay down their lives for the gospel. The grace of God. There's a missionary right there, Brother Enos. God gave you grace to die more than once when you were on the mission field. Missionaries have the gift to die. They have the gift to lay down their life. And I'm not a calamity howler. And I'm not a prophet of gloom and doom. But I'm telling you, we're never going to reach the world until the world starts pushing on the church. Until the government pushes on the church. And then the church is going to say, I've about had enough of that. And we're going to go go everywhere and we're going to preach and we're going to baptize and we're going to get the job oh come on clap your hands like you mean it put act 6-7 back up there And there's one more phrase. Look at that last phrase. This is where we're at right now, pastors. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Did you know that's in your Bible? Do you know what that means to us? That is our prophetic permission. To drive by every church in Cincinnati. And instead of a drive-by shooting, let's do a drive-by prayer. (laughs) That'll take a weapon out of the hand of the devil. He done enough drive-by shooting. We're going to do a drive-by prayer. Go ahead. Woo! Yeah! Jesus said, John 16, 13, and the Spirit will guide into all truth. The Holy Ghost is working for us. The Holy Spirit is working for the truth. And a great company of priests... Did you know that sometimes in the city of Jerusalem, the company of priests swelled to 20,000? We know Luke could count to 3,000 and 5,000, but he says a great company. Because he wants to say it with integrity. I'm going to say that means more than 5,000 priests. What is that? That is our prophetic permission to believe that before Jesus comes, that denominational preachers are coming To the revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. Come on, Cincinnati. It's time to take over. It's time for the oneness movement to take over. We've got. So a ordained minister of another denomination came and visited our church. And he was a guest of a man in our church who met him at the VA. 
And this guest is South Sudanese. And his name is Kwat Noor. And now he's a U.S. citizen. In fact, he's a veteran in the military. And they met at the VA. And so this man in our church found out that he needed a bathroom fixed. So he went over and fixed the bathroom. In fact, he remodeled the whole thing and never charged anything. And Brother Noor said, i got to go to this man's church to find out what kind of a church this is where a Christian man would be that generous and that kind. So he comes to church. We go to lunch, and I paid for it. And we went to lunch a few more times. One day we ended up back in my office. I said, Pastor, Pastor Quat, I want to ask you a question. Do you cast out devils in South Sudan? He looked at me like I was nuts. What do you mean, Pastor? He's very regal. He, he carries himself like a king. And he's humble. So humble. He's really an apostle is what he is. And... What do you mean, Pastor? Yes, we cast out devils. South Sudan is full of the devil, Pastor. I love to hear him talk. I said, well, how do you do it? He said, what do you mean? I said, what do you say? He said, I say, in the name of Jesus, devil, come out. I said, does the devil come out? He says, every time. I said, now wait a minute. You don't say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit when you cast out devils? He said, no. He thinks I'm stupid. I said, we don't say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I said, why not? He said, there's no authority in the titles. Now we're getting somewhere. He said, the authority is in the name of Jesus. I said, Pastor Nor, then if the authority is not in the titles, but it's in the name of Jesus, then why do you not baptize in the name of Jesus Christ? When I, sit back, when I said that, he fell back in his chair. He said, oh, oh, Pastor, you're right. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent. And be baptized in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, revelation is breaking in. Revelation is breaking in. We don't have room in UBCI campuses to hold the revival that God wants to give America. We got 5,000 churches in North America. If you assign the average seating capacity to 300, we have one and a half million seats. And on a good Easter Sunday, we have 800,000. That means we've only got room for lousy 700,000 for this last day revival. I'm telling you what God's got in mind. A great company of priests are coming to the faith. Every spirit-filled pastor in this country is headed for a revelation. Quatnor said, I want you to baptize me and my wife this Sunday. We baptized him. He went back to South Sudan. He baptized his 40 pastors and they went out and baptized their entire congregation. That's how it's coming. A great 
company. Come on, do some drive-by prayer. Revelation's coming. Jesus is the mighty God. I pray a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Sister, Pastor Kristen, didn't the Holy Spirit fall at the old Kemper location after you vacated? Do you guys know that story? The elder Pasley's at, is it Kemper Road? 40 years. Listen, when you're apostolic, after 40 years of worship and prayer, it gets in the carpet, it gets in the pews, it gets in the chandeliers. And the denomination bought that church, and the pastor was so against speaking with tongues that his organization hired him to write pamphlets and books against it. But he was hungry for more of God. After a few months in that sanctuary on a Sunday night, He's standing behind the pulpit praying in the microphone and the Holy Ghost fell on him and he started speaking with tongues and the Holy Ghost fell on the congregation. I'm telling you, my friend, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not just a Pentecostal thing. It's a Jesus thing and God is stepping over denominational barriers and he's stepping over, amen, divisions and he's pouring out his spirit. It's not a good time to be against speaking with tongues. It's not a good time. Because it's taken over the world. It's already took over South America. Why do you think the Pope is going down to South America all the time? He's going down there to try to control it. But Jesus said, no man's going to control it. No man can hold the wind. You can't tell where it came from or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I'm telling you, my friend, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is falling. It's falling in Baptist churches. It's falling in Catholic churches. It's following, falling in Lutheran churches. Amen. The Bible said it was a spirit for all flesh. When Joel said... It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I don't even think he believed it. It didn't fit his theology. Because in Joel's day, only the prophets prophesied. And then it got worse. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And then it got worse. Your servants are going to prophesy. Nobody's going to tell God what to do. If he wants to pour out the Holy Ghost on all flesh, he's going to do it. Amen. If he wants everybody that's hungry for truth to come to the truth, it's going to happen. It's not a good time to be preaching against speaking with tongues. George Barna said 53,000 people are walking out of stained glass dead churches every week. And he said where they're going is where there's fire. Where there's going is where there's miracles. Where they're going is where the spirit is moving. And I'm telling you, this world is hungry for what we've got. Clap your hands to the Lord. Everybody okay?
Everybody say apostolic. Do you want all things apostolic? Do you want all of it? Do you think you got all of it? <laughs> the Bible says that we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself. The chief cornerstone. Everybody say apostles. Say prophets. We'll never reach the world without them. Just say amen like you believe it. You can't be apostolic without believing in apostles. You can't cherry pick the apostolic and say, well, give me three of those, but I don't want those Brussels sprouts. going to take apostles. Why? Because they have spiritual authority. Apostles can walk in to a city and say, we're going to plant a church here in Jesus' name. And it's only a matter of time. E.L. Freeman was in Florida. He told his wife, I'm going to Madagascar. She said, what are you doing going there? You don't know anybody. You don't speak the language. He said, I'll be back in three days. He traveled a day, got on a boat for a day. Got off in the port. She, Sister Nona said he walked into the village, into the marketplace, lifted his hands, and he said, Devil, you've had this nation long enough. The Pentecostals are coming. And he turned around and went back to the boat, sailed back to Africa. I've been to Madagascar. It's one of the hottest revival nations I have ever seen. In fact, I'm going to say something. I don't know if I've ever said it publicly, but while I was preaching at their national conference about four or five years ago, I was caught away in the spirit. And that's not a tribute to how spiritual I am. That's how powerful that nation is. I don't know where I went, Brother John Wilson, but I went somewhere, and I'm from ABI. And ABI don't play. But I believe in modern-day apostles and prophets. And if we're ever going to reach the world, we need some modern-day apostles that will get out of their car in a community where there's no apostolic church and get out on a street corner and say, the United Pentecostal Church is coming. The One Church is coming. Amen. The Calvary Church is coming. The Tree of Life Church is coming. And we need the prophets. We need the prophets. I'm tired. I'm tired of dealing with the old skeletons in the closet from the latter rain. Can we just get over it? Can we just get over it? Somebody said, well, there was false apostles and false prophets in the latter rain. Yeah. And you know what? I'm 65, and I've been in the church my whole life, and I've seen false pastors and false evangelists and false teachers. And we haven't given up on the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. Paul said there was false teachers. Huh? Yeah? And where the church is headed, you listen to what I'm telling you right now. In the fear of the Lord, we're going to need the voice of the prophet and the prophetess. 
because we've marched off the map. Prophets are like eyes to the church. Prophets see sooner. They see further. They see more. They discern spiritual conditions. A prophet never comes and says, you're doing a great job. A prophet said, you better straighten up and fly right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You don't play with a prophet. So I was fussing with God in February, in March, in April, after COVID hit in 2020. And I was fussing. I was upset. I'm praying like, God, what's up? COVID hit the whole world. And you didn't tell nobody about it? Huh? I got Bible to preach that way. When God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone, he came down and talked to his friend Abraham. Abraham, I'm fixing to do something. But I can't do it until I talk to my friend about it. And before God wiped out the world with the flood, he came and talked to his preacher of grace, Noah. No, I'm getting ready to do something. I can't do it. I owe this to you. I got to tell you because you've been faithful. And then in the book of Acts, before there was a worldwide famine during the reign of Claudius, Caesar, Agabus, and other prophets collaborated and said a worldwide famine is coming. So I have Bible to pray like this. God, what's going on? I'm telling you, I'm so glad I'm in the apostolic church because we have prophets. We have prophets. And so I'm talking to somebody about this one day. And they said, well, did you watch the video posted by Flo Shaw on the World Network of Prayer Facebook page dated April 25th, 2020? I said, no, but I'm going there right now. Sister Flo Shaw is a prophetess, and she leads our World Network of Prayer. And she said in the video... Early November of 2019, she was praying, and the Lord spoke to her and said, Something is coming out of China. Pay attention to the news. It will touch the entire world. She dated it. She wrote it down. And then God gave her a vision of the molecular structure of COVID-19, and she drew a crude Recreation of what she saw in the spirit. We didn't see that until January on all the news outlets. But when I watched that video, I said, okay, God, we're cool. All I needed to know is you talk to somebody about it. Now, I'm going to just. I shouldn't do this, and I normally don't do this, but I don't know if the Baptist got a word like that, and I don't know if the Lutheran church got a word like that, and I don't know if the Methodist got a word like that. Amen. I don't even know if the Assembly of God got a word like that. I hope somebody else did, but I know the United Pentecostal Church had a prophetess on her knees, and God said, I'm fixing to do something to the whole world. You're my modern-day Noah. You're my modern-day Abraham. You're my modern-day Agabus, and I'm going to let you know, and I don't want to be a pastor one day without a prophet by my side. I don't want to lead a congregation without a 
man of God or a woman that has the voice of the Spirit that can speak into my life and help me to navigate uncertainty because I'm telling you something's coming that's going to shake the world, but the church is going to rise. Because it's our destiny. It happened in the first century. And it's going to happen again in the 21st century. Everybody all right? Oh, man. I've been wild. I didn't preach nothing I wanted to preach tonight. The apostolic continuum. We're still here. We're not cherry picking the book of Acts. I want it all. Come on, I said I want every bit of it. I want every miracle. I want every outpouring. I want every visitation. I want the visitation of angels. I want the laying on of hands. I want apostles, prophets. I want evangelists, pastors, teacher. We're not going to reach the world without it. Come on, if you believe it, get up on your feet and say, I want it all. I want the apostolic continuum. I want to be, I want to see miracles. I want wonders. I want signs. I want to take the word to the world. Hallelujah. Listen. Before it's over, there's just going to be two churches. There's going to be the harlot church that will take in all comers. And the apostolic church that baptizes in Jesus' name. That's going to be the definitive Deciding factor who's baptized, who's taken on the name of Jesus. Jesus said, if you're not ashamed of me, I won't be ashamed of you. Come on, raise your hand if you're not ashamed of Jesus. Come on, if we're not the people of the name, I don't know who is. If we don't have a destiny on us, I don't know who's got it. If we're not going to have the revival that God's promised, I don't know who's going to get it. But I want you to lift your hands if you're hungry for it. I want you to tell the Lord right now, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm continuing steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship. There's no time to backslide. There's no time to goof off. There's no time to be have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Come on, Cincinnati. I wish you would cry out. I wish somebody would cry out to the Lord. Somebody shout, I want it. I want it. Come on, do it again. This is a continuum. Don't be a one-hit wonder. Don't be a one revival wonder. Don't be a one annual one Cincinnati service wonder. Come on. If you've been here all seven or six years, however long we've been doing this, would you clap your hands if you've been here to every one of them? That's a continuum. That's a continuum. John and Kim, we went to Bible college with one hit wonders. One of them, I know very well. 
recently said, Nobody's lost. Everybody's saved. Let me tell you something. You better keep sin out of your life. Your morality will dictate your theology. You won't stay in the apostolic continuum if you've got a mess going on in your life. You've got to get sin out of your life. We're still a holy people. In fact, it's not a time to not be preaching holiness. The world doesn't even know what bathroom to use, what gender to choose. These kids are going to school, being polluted with all this foolishness. I'll tell you what it is. It's a pushback against God and the order of creation. And the spirit behind it is Antichrist. I don't care what the school system says. It's not a marriage if it's not between a man and a woman. There's no time to back up on holiness. Get the sin out of your life. They have this church I'm talking about. I know it very well. They haven't had in-church, on-campus meeting since March of 2020. Strictly an internet church. The pastor sold the church campus for $1.8 million and moved off to Florida. But he still has his internet church. The praise team is way up north and he's way down south. The praise team leader's wife has a author name on Amazon. She writes smutty romance pornographic novels. She's on the worship team. His daughter on the worship team is engaged to be married to a female. Not a continuum there. The Bible says because they received not the love of the truth. God said I'm going to send them strong delusion." That they should believe a lie. That's why deception and and revelation feel the same. Because they both come from God. If you tell me you got a revelation and it's not in here. Then you might have a revelation. And it may have come from God. But it's because you didn't love the truth. Because you didn't buy the truth. Because you sold the truth. Because you allowed sin to live in your life. And it changed your theology. The first sermon I ever preached was in this city, Cincinnati. And I don't know if you claim me or not, but I think I turned out pretty good. (laughs) But I started right here, and I'm still going strong. I haven't quit. I haven't backed up. I haven't compromised anything. I'm still a one God apostolic tongue talker. I still believe in the mighty name of Jesus. I wish I could get everybody under the age of 30 to come up here. And if you're already up here and you don't qualify, get up here anyway. Come on. I want the, I want the students to get up here. I want the young people. I want the next generation up here. Come on. Come out of the balcony. Get on up here. 
some of these older folks, moms and dads and pastors, we're going to lay hands on you. And we pray something will fall on you. Something can happen to you tonight that will change your life forever. Come on. Don't come up here laughing. Don't come up here giddy. You come up here serious. Move in. Others are coming behind you. Press in. Press in. Keep coming. I want all the pastors to join me on the platform. In fact, all the licensed ministers that are here right now, I want you to come up here. These are the fivefold ministers. These are the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers of the church. We're going to ordain you tonight. We are ordaining you tonight in the apostolic continuum. And something's going to fall on you. And wherever you are, that's not where you're stopping. It's not where you're staying. When an apostle or a prophet or evangelist or a pastor or a teacher lays hands on you, something is going to fall on you. Come on, are you hungry for an impartation right now? Are you open to receiving? Amen. Something spiritual, something supernatural, something perhaps that you've never had before. There's going to be an impartation. Paul said, there it is right there. Paul said, amen, Timothy, stir up the gift that was conferred upon you and transmitted to you by the laying on of hands of spiritual authority. Ladies and gentlemen that have joined me in the fivefold ministry, step up to the edge of the platform with me, will you? I want you young people to lift your hands right now. I want you to cry out to the Lord. Just cry out to the Lord. Come on, say, God, I want something so I can change my world. Go ahead. Come on, stretch your hands out over them. Come on, let it fall on you. I see it happening already. I see something happening right there. There's another one right there. There's one right over there. Come on, it's coming. It's falling. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it, that's it. That's it. Something's coming upon you right now. Impartation. The apostolic. The anointing. That's it, sir. Receive it. Receive it. Open your heart. Open your spirit. Come on, church. Stretch your hands out toward this generation. Receive it. 